0: Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, send your spirit to us in this time, in this place, that the words that we hear might be your words, that you might direct our thoughts, that you might equip us for service, that your name might be glorified in this community and beyond. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our gospel lesson is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Hear the gospel. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, For the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you were to map out the geography of your life, what is the story it would tell? Would it be a story of stability? Or a story of restlessness? A story of sameness? or one of transition? Would it be a story of level, pothole-free highways? Or a story of hills and valleys and bumpy gravel roads? When people in Western New York find out I'm a South Dakota native, I will frequently hear, I don't think I've ever met anyone from there before. It had never occurred to me it would be such a novelty. And then they will ask, so how did you get from there to here? So then I might quickly recite how I got from there to here, beginning with my home in the southeastern corner of the state, an hour from the Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota borders. And then from there went to college an hour away, and then to Minneapolis, and then into Boston, interrupted by a summer in St. Louis, and then to Detroit and Buffalo, and then 10,000 miles away to Singapore, and back to Buffalo, and eventually right here to Rochester. (laughs) By the time our son was five years old, he had lived in four different houses. It's the geography of my life. And behind each of those places are stories of the things that happened there to challenge and to shape me, my worldview and my faith. Things like new jobs and relationships, school and spouse, and the birth of children, and the unexpected surprises of life, both good and bad. And interspersed with that big macro-geography is a whole lot more all of the shorter daily and weekly excursions from home base driving an hour to get to the nearest movie theater or the nearest mall or to music lessons or to symphony concerts there were all the yearly car trips to see family in nebraska and occasionally even down to the texas panhandle there were the daily trips to clients and job sites and personal and professional travel that added depth and texture to life. Behind every daily and weekly and one-time movements of our lives, there's a story of how and why we go from one place to another, whether those distances are long or whether they're short, and also how those places shape us. Some, especially those where we encounter other cultures, are momentous enough to take our blinders off, to broaden and deepen our entire worldview, and occasionally even upend it. I can name those places in my life, and I suspect that if you go through that exercise, you might too. In today's story about Jesus, two words tell us to pay attention to the geography of his life. And those two words are, follow me. I once heard someone I don't remember who say, if we are to follow Jesus, it must mean that Jesus is on the move. If we're to follow Jesus... It means Jesus is moving. Now what are the implications of that? The significance of Jesus' whereabouts in this story continues a theme that has been part of Matthew's story all along. Epiphany was only a few short weeks ago where after Jesus' birth, the burning question of the wise men seeking the Messiah was where? do we find this child? Where indeed? They found him in Bethlehem. Even a very paranoid King Herod wondered. So fearing for their lives, the Holy Family fled home to Egypt until the threat was gone. But when they wanted to come back because Herod's equally evil son was now in charge, instead of returning home, they went further north to Nazareth, from Bethlehem and its Jewish roots to the foreign land of Egypt to Nazareth in Galilee, land of the Gentiles. Jesus was on the move from the very beginning. Well, you can only stay put for so long. And as Jesus grew up and finally was ready to minister publicly, in quick succession, he left Galilee He went south to Judea and the Jordan River, he got baptized, he followed the spirit into the wilderness, and then went back to Galilee because of that ominous news that John, the one who had baptized him, had been arrested. But he didn't go back to the safety and security of his hometown of Nazareth. This time he went to Capernaum, a town on a main trade route where people were constantly coming and going, where he would encounter people. He left the center of political and religious power in Judea to go to a fishing town in Galilee, a come-as-you-are kind of place. But even once he got there to his new home base, not only would he not stay put, he would invite ordinary people to come along with him. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, drop your nets. Leave your boats. Even leave your family. Follow me to new places to meet new people, encounter new challenges. This isn't a task for those who want to sit still and leave the world as it is. Follow me. Social scientists tell us that the kind of geographical mobility that Jesus lived out was abnormal behavior back in the first century. Jesus is going somewhere, crossing borders, entering new territory to meet hurting and broken people where they are and not waiting for them to come to him which is an interesting thing to think about as we sit here in this massive stone building, fortress-like, immovable fixture that has been on this corner since 1884. There is a geography to our life together, and much of it happens right here, inside the maze of hallways, And additions and renovations, there is a geography to this place. Worship and learning for all ages every Sunday. Kids programs during the week, choirs, bells, food ministries, shelter ministries, all happen here. Special services and seminars, prayers and petitions, they all happen here. Yes, this building is an important part of our geography, and I expect it will remain so. I also know that our geography of ministry extends beyond this corner. It goes to schools where we offer academic help to kids. It goes to the House of Mercy when our youth pack bag lunches for those who are homeless. It goes to the people that our deacons visit and to whom they bring flowers every Sunday after church. It goes to the places where you live out your faith in the way you do your daily work and relate to the people in your life and pursue the cause of justice. And yet I think if we're honest with ourselves, our geography of ministry has room to grow it will have to change we say to people come here and yet they aren't in the numbers that they used to we say come here which is not a bad thing by any means it is so much good and yet it also remains that jesus says follow me which begs the question Where is he leading us now? Because I don't know if you have noticed, but the world is moving, even as we are right here. The pace of change around us is not slowing down, and if the world is moving, the Jesus that we know from scripture is already heading out to those new places where people are hurting and broken and in need of healing And a word of really good news. Where is Jesus calling the church to follow him? This is always the question Jesus poses to us, to the church. And it becomes especially pertinent in these times of transition. For the more things change, the more we want them to stay the same. It's... Who we humans are, it feels safe. We don't want to rock the boat. But Jesus says, leave your boat. Leave your nets. Leave what you've been doing and follow me. It's that simple. Right. I think most of us would rather know where we're going. We want to know the destination. And we want a road map to get there. Now, we've been talking a lot about roadmaps in different leadership groups of the church. More than two years ago, a rogue group of lovable geeks developed a detailed technology roadmap. It led us from where we were, which was suboptimal connectedness, to new collaborative technologies that help us do our work and reach out in ministry. That roadmap included our latest milestone, the new website, and there are still others to come. We're developing a roadmap to get us from where we are now to what our future ministries will look like and what mix of resources we need to support them. Now, I love these roadmaps. They are great organizational tools. We would be lost without them. They give us a plan, and they even give us some temporary destinations, stopovers along the way. But a roadmap to what church looks like in five years or ten years, when the world around us is changing so fast and continuing to change. A roadmap to what worship looks like or children's ministries or music or outreach. The best we have is a two-word phrase. When push comes to shove, all Jesus has really given us are two words that are both an invitation and a call to radically obey him, and they lack any indication of destination whatsoever. For all he has said is, follow me. Like he said, to the fishermen on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, fishermen who were so compelled by Jesus that they dropped everything immediately to take up that very same abnormal behavior. So if we're looking for a roadmap, perhaps we can do no better than to go back to the geography of Jesus' life. For where he went, He continues to go. He went to repent and be baptized, even as he calls us to do the same. He went to endure the wilderness and to meet others in their wilderness. He crossed borders no one else wanted to cross. He entered places others wouldn't be caught dead in. And he talked to people no one else would talk to. He went to people's homes. He met them on the road. He went to their bedsides. He ate at their kitchen tables. He met them in the messiness of life, and he met them in their deepest need. And more than that, he refused to leave them there, inviting them to follow him, too. That's the only roadmap we've got. It's the only road map that Third Church has. To the question, where should we go, where should the church go, the answer is always wherever Jesus goes. So as we approach the questions of how we will be the church for families at the soccer field on Sunday morning for young adults who don't trust religion, and even more adults who have abandoned religion, as we approach the question of how we will be the church for cynics and dreamers, for folks who think in black and white and folks who see many shades of gray, as we approach this question of how we will be the church in a world that is hyper-segregated and individualized, As we approach these questions, there is only one answer. It is to go wherever Jesus goes. It is not the answer that we want, but it is the answer that we need. Amen.